Well, if you look at currencies this morning, it seems like there's a bit of risk on sentiment in the air with the money flowing from the yen and the Swiss franc to the US dollar. And yet inflation continues to rise. Oil is up even higher. Isn't that a risk? Then we've got tech stocks recovering, even with inflation. Normally they're mortal enemies. Then there's the RBNZ ready to lift rates today. But what do they do in a country that switched policy to live with COVID rather than trying to totally block it out? And it's jobs for the rest of the week. We've got ADP numbers tonight in the United States and non-farm payrolls on Friday. It's Wednesday, the 6th of October, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, whatever happened yesterday, assume the opposite, it seems today. Uh, US stocks are on the rise, 1.7% up for the NASDAQ, one5 for the S&P 500, 1.4% for the Dow. Europe also up a 1.7% gain on the Euro stocks 50. Uh, and the US dollar now back on the rise, up almost 0.2% on the DXY. But that hasn't hurt the Aussie dollar, which is uh, up about 0.2%. It's the same for the pound. So why is the US dollar up? Well, it's gained half a percent on the Japanese yen and 0.3% on the Swiss franc. So that all sounds a bit risk on, doesn't it? Uh, and as you might expect, less interest in bonds. So yields are higher up, four basis points on 10-year treasuries to 1.52%, almost line ball with the Aussie 10 years, actually. Uh, UK 10-year gilts uh, gained seven basis points. The yields now up to 1.08%, which is the highest since May 2019. And oil today still rising. That is the one thing that's the same as yesterday. WCI is very close to $80 now, rising about 1.5% this morning. It was a bit higher than that earlier. Brent up almost almost as much. So uh, what's going on? Let's talk to Rodrigo Catrill from NAB in Sydney, back with us after his holiday spent at home. Fortunately, he lives near the beach, lucky him. Uh, it's uh, sort of the opposite of yesterday, isn't it? And yet, you know, we're, tech stocks piling back in. Uh, Facebook's up 2%, even though it was offline for five hours. Bank's doing well. Uh, Netflix up 5.5%. So how do you uh, how do you explain this sharp turnaround in everything except oil, which continues to rise? Morning, Phil. Yeah, there's been a, a, I suppose there's a couple of worth, uh, things worth highlighting. You, you mentioned Facebook, for instance. That, that was a factor affecting markets yesterday. Mm-hmm. There was concerns that, you know, maybe there was some sort of uh, terrorist to move and everything. And at the end, Facebook overnight has admitted that this was a mistake of their own. Yeah. Uh, so that, in a sense, helped uh, the performance of tech stocks, of the big tech rebound overnight. We've seen a sharp steepening of the curve overnight, which has been driven by break-evens but by inflation expectations. And that has lifted uh, financials uh, in particular. So they're up over 2% in the S&P 500 as we speak. Um, so, so those dynamics and, and a risk-positive uh, vibe coming from, from the ISM print. Yep have contributed to, to, to the positive vibes that, that we've seen in markets in general. Yeah, so those uh, those ISM numbers were pretty good, weren't they? So it was the non-manufacturing numbers. So for business activity up to 62.3, it was expected to fall from August 60.1, but it rose. And uh, new orders are up too. So good news all around, basically. Yes, good news all around. So we've got to remember as well that this is all about you know, the Delta impact uh, mm. in, in the U.S. And, and if anything, the, the, the takeaway from there has been that as much as Delta has been, you know, running and uh, eventually coming under, under control, uh, the impact on activity, uh, particularly in the services sector, has not been as bad as expected. And indeed, you know, now uh, the ISM services uh, went up against expectations for a small decline towards 59.9. So it's all good news in that sense. But at the same time, 
there's also still very much evidence that the, the supply pressures are very much uh, uh, you, you remaining very acute yes. with all the backlog supply delivery times and prices space remaining at elevated levels in September as well. So yeah. it's good news from the activity side, but it's also, uh, you know, concerns or the ongoing concerns around the inflation expectations uh, remaining high or rather inflation remaining high because of those pressures. Yeah, and that explains a lot about bonds, doesn't it? So the 10-year break-even inflation rate is up around 2.44% now, around the top of where it's been for the last few months. Of course, it was up to 2.5% in May. Uh, but uh, you know, before that, you've got to go back to 2013 to see these levels. So inflation... You know, it, it's expected to stick around, it seems, doesn't it? I mean, it, it, it may be transitory, but it's going to be a very long transitory period. Yes, uh, and that's really the change in the dynamics that we've seen in, in recent weeks. And now there's sort of been an, an admission, if you like, or recognition that uh, this long or rather this transitory effect will be long. And of course, the other impact or factor has been this issue around energy uh, and uh, with the UK and Europe in particular being their major concern. Um, so the jumping break-evens to, to overnight is not just a function of uh, what we've seen in terms of the ISM, but also in terms of that ongoing price pressures that we've seen, particularly in gas in Europe, um, with the natural gas uh, in the UK jumping 20% just overnight. So that's, that's huge. Um, yeah. So what we're seeing is that the rise in break-evens has actually been driven by, by Europe and the UK, uh, but it's also affected uh, the U.S., which until recently, you know, we've seen sort of break-evens rising in Europe, but um, the, the U.S. was remaining steady. But now we've seen that rise as well, evident in, in the U.S., which has pushed up, um, you know, core yields uh, uh, around the globe overnight. But uh, tank stocks are doing okay, aren't they? I mean, normally they would suffer if we uh, if we saw inflation risks because you know they're all about the future. Uh, if the future is going to be more expensive, then they're not such good value. But they are holding up. But is that because of what you're saying? You know, there's a bit of a U.S. Europe divide here, and the U.S. isn't feeling it quite so bad. So, so the services PMIs, for example, in Europe were out. They weren't quite as good, were they, as the uh, the non-manufacturing ISM in the U.S., for example. Yes, the, the final services ISM um, in in Europe they they eased up a little bit, and uh, so essentially there's two sort of narratives there. One confirming that the peak was back in June, July, mm. uh, and now we're seeing an ease in in activity. Uh, it's still sort of at elevated levels around fifty six, fifty five, um, um, but certainly kind of coming coming off the, the the big levels. Whilst in the US, it has remained very resilient. Uh, despite the, the wave of, of the Delta wave in, in, in the U.S. So certainly a bit of a contrast there. And against the narrative that, you know, and a, a month ago, we, you know, we were, were sort of supporting the view that Europe had everything going for itself in terms of rebounding and, and, and outperforming the, the U.S. over the next six months or so. Uh, but now that energy uh, story is certainly affecting Europe and the U.K. more so than, than the U.S., and it's, it's, it's sort of creating that sort of, um, uh, you know, an ease in terms of whether you, you can continue to perform against the backdrop of, of restricted energy supply. So is it the difference of what we're seeing right now in Europe versus what we're seeing in the United States? This explains this strange conundrum that we've got right now, where we've got inflation and yet we've got a risk on mood. That's because inflation is expected to be felt more in Europe than the United States, perhaps, and the Europe, uh, US is going to do quite well. And that would also explain why we've got inflation and yet we've got tech stocks doing uh, quite well, because uh, the tech stocks aren't going to be impacted by inflation perhaps as much as the, the European stocks. Well, I, I think so. The, the ISM certainly there was expectations and concern that ISMs 
uh, will show an ease, uh, particularly given the evidence that we saw in terms of the PMIs in Europe, and yet the, it has remained very strong. So mm. it's, suggested, it's suggesting that the U.S. economy is still very resilient, uh, not, notwithstanding those price pressures and supply pressures. Uh, so that's the good news. And two, as we mentioned, you know, the, the tech stocks had been hammered yesterday because of those concerns around Facebook. So yeah, uh, a bit of a back. rebound there, accelerating. And the steepening of the curve is helping the, the financial sector as well. So we've got to remember that that's a positive for, for financials as well. Um, I, I suppose the other thing that we haven't mentioned is that um, you know, there's a lot of focus this week in terms of what the non-fund payrolls will do and what's the state of the labor market in the U.S. Yeah. Uh, but the ISM data is telling us that, you know, at least from an, an economic activity point of view, things are actually have remained very resilient. And that, that's an important takeaway, bearing in mind sort of the reaction function, if you like, of the Fed. It was only very small, wasn't it? But the employment slowed a little bit. But we've got the, uh, we get the ADP uh, job numbers tonight, 374,000 new jobs last time. I think somewhere north of 420,000 is expected tonight, isn't it? But what if it's less than expected? Could that uh, send a few shockwaves through what is a, a very jumpy market? Or is everyone going to stay calm and say, no, let's wait till Friday's numbers? Well, you know, everybody talks about the fact that the ADP has all its flaws and that the model is a function of uh, essentially, no fund payrolls from the previous month, mm. um, uh, but it is back to all, all these flaws. Whenever you get a big number, either up or down, uh, in terms of the ADP, it does they, you know have a market active. reaction. So, yeah, uh, I, I, for for this print overnight, um, expectations are for four thirty, for as, as you mentioned. But um, the the whisper number, if you like, is 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 pointing to the risk that the number could be below four hundred because of mm. again that very low non fund payrolls print that we had uh, last month. Um, so, and also concerns are in terms of the non-fund perils for Friday are that we may get a, a much softer number than expected. So I think the sensitivity of the risk is is that if we get a, 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 a small number, mm. uh, that the market will react quite significantly. To now, it. I did want to talk about China and Evergrande, uh, but look, let's leave that till later on in the week because we, we the reason for talking about it is because Fantasia, which is another property developer, they missed uh, that one of their coupon payments, two hundred and five million, uh, was due yesterday, uh, but they owed most of that to another property de- developer, so it's been contained. But we'll revisit that later because we've got a couple of central banks to talk about the RBA and the RBNZ. Uh, the RBNZ obviously meeting today. The RBA yesterday, no surprises or no news. Really. Really, I mean, rates are staying uh, probably where they are till 2024, and QE purchases are going to continue at four billion a week till February. That's the expectation. But what if inflation starts to to pick up? And I mean, you know, jobs inflation. So we know that the job market is pretty healthy in Australia, but you know, there's been lots of jobs advertised around the world, uh, but people have been picking and choosing, and that has translated into into higher wages. What happens if that happens in Australia? Is the RBA going to change its tune? <laughs> Well, okay, so you, you mentioned two things. One, sure, there, there's concerns around inflation, and I think that the nature of inflation matters from a reaction function for central banks. Um, at the moment, sure, we are getting the supply-side inflation-driven shocks, if you like, but typically a supply shock uh, doesn't, doesn't uh, trigger a reaction by, by, by central banks. If inflation, on the other hand, is driven by a rise in wages, you know, living costs, uh, rents and housing and so on, that's a different story. And, and at, the, at the moment, 
you know, places like, for instance, the UK, where you've seen big rises in earnings and wages, that is a concern and, and a factor why the Bank of England is talking about, you know, the consideration of lifting rates. Right, but all of that's happened and, as they've come out of lockdown. So the question is, could that happen here? And, uh, you know, could could we face, even though we're not seeing it now, could we see that happening in, in, in Australia and the RBA having to react to it? Yes, Yes, and 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 if anything, it's actually that that's a very good thing to note that um, you know Tapas uh, highlighted how, if anything, the 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 RBA the takeaway from the RBA was quite a positive one. You know, sure, there's been a discussion about macro potentials, uh, but in particular, what was also was highlighted, uh, you know, it was that the, the the RBA is very conscious about how positive is the demand for jobs at the moment. And if anything, how positive the demand for uh, jobs in New South Wales and, and where we've seen the lockdowns has remained actually quite, quite elevated despite the fact of the lockdowns. So it does point to the idea that just like we saw in the, the first time of the pandemic, that we will see a rebound in the labor market as we reopen. So, so it's still a positive sort of take that the RBA has on, on, on the recovery. And it's encouraging in that sense in terms of the economic outlook now, for Australia. Now, the RBNZ today, expectations are that, you know, the size of the hike has been downgraded a bit, hasn't it, given the, the, the lockdowns and the rising numbers and this, this new policy of living with the virus in New Zealand. So does that change the approach for the bank in any way? I mean, we know that, you know, that the size of the hike has, has been has been priced a bit lower, hasn't it? A little bit lower, yes. And, and if, if anything, that's sort of the interesting thing. I think um, it would be hugely surprising if the, the RBNZ doesn't hike today. Um, but the question is, what, what are they going to tell us about the, the upcoming meetings and, and, and the prospects for, for further hikes? Uh, we know that, you know, the, the, the sort of the commentary coming from the RBN said was that the, the market needed to be prepared for not just this hike, but more hikes coming. Um, and um, I suppose now the, the new news is that uh, the, the New Zealand has moved onto this strategy of living with COVID. Um, that strategy implies that there will be pressures uh, to the healthcare sector because, you know, inevitably you will see a rise in infections. Importantly, we've also got to remember New Zealand hasn't experienced a, a real wave in terms of COVID infections. So uh, how that will affect sentiment, how will that affect the, the consumer is, is a big, you know, question mark. Um, and obviously how it will affect um, uh, the decision for, for the RBN said. So it'll be interesting to see uh, mm. In the commentary that we get in terms of the statements and then the minutes, uh, whether they will be cognizant of, of this new risk that the strategy of living with COVID implies and whether it will have an impact in terms of their uh, intentions of lifting the official cash rate towards neutral uh, over, over the coming months and year. Well, we'll see what they say today. We also get euro area retail sales later on, factory orders for August for Germany. Uh, and we've mentioned uh, those ADP jobs numbers tonight. Basically, that's going to be the focus, isn't it, for the rest of the week? It's going to be jobs, jobs, jobs leading up to the payrolls on Friday. So uh, we'll leave it there for now. Good to talk, Rodrigo. Good to have you back. <laughs> Thanks, Phil. Cheers. And that's how things are this Wednesday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow morning. See you then. Thanks for listening. 